from the age of Big Brother, from the age of the Dawn Police, from a dead man. Coronavirus is the biggest threat this country has faced for decades. We're seeing the devastating impact of this invisible killer. There will come a moment when no health service in the world could possibly cope because there won't be enough ventilators, enough intensive care beds, enough doctors and nurses. That is the moment of real danger. The new variant is out of control and we need to bring it under control and this news about the new variant has been a uh, an incredibly difficult end to, frankly, an awful year. And it's important for everybody to act, uh, essentially act like they might have the virus. And that's the way that we can control it together. The way ahead is hard. And it is still true that many lives will sadly be lost. Our advisory group on new and emerging respiratory virus threats, nerve tag, has spent the last few days analyzing this new variant. It may be up to 70% more transmissible than the old variant, the original version of the disease. You, you might be infectious, and that's the way that we have to behave at this moment. Assume you might be infectious, assume you might be infectious, and that's the way that we have to behave at this moment. Today, the United Kingdom's chief medical officers have advised that the country should move to alert level five, meaning that uh, if action is not taken, NHS capacity may be overwhelmed within 21 days. And it's going to spread further. And I, I must level with you, level with the, the British public. Um, more families, uh, many more families, are going to lose loved ones before their time. Your colleague on stage, John Edmonds, has just sent me a statement saying that as far as he's concerned, this is the worst moment of the epidemic because of the extraordinary inf infectivity of this new strain. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, this is a horrible moment for sure. I'm just saying, I'm really sorry to hear about your two relatives who died from this virus. I mean, it is a very dangerous virus uh, for many people. We're looking to move to a different regime, so as we come to the fourth step, we will change the basic tools that we have used to control human behaviour.
reading that law line. I will be arrested for not taking a fucking vaccine. This is not a fucking joke anymore. This is fucking dead serious. I am fucking dead serious. These people don't know who the fuck they're actually playing with. They are, in a coup they might come and fucking intimidate me and whatnot. But fuck, they do not understand what the fuck just one person like myself is capable of. They do not fucking understand. No fucking vaccine or MRA will ever flow through my fucking blood blood. Never! I will fucking die fucking fighting for my forefathers and my fucking lineage. Fuck these motherfuckers. All right, welcome, 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 everyone. Another stream, and uh, Doc's had barely any sleep, and I'm uh, all uh, all over the shop uh, this morning. So uh, bear with me if there are some technical difficulties. But uh, our guests are waiting in the uh, waiting room. I will uh, allow them in. Let's admit Aaron, and then let's admit Nick, and see if they join. Um. Audio's connecting. Um, I did say that I would receive uh, a torrent of email after the last uh, stream. <laughs> uh, it was true. Um, I'm I'm willing. Uh, I'm, I, I want to be as open as possible for the audience. Please, please show me um, evidence that they weren't doing what they said in that uh, particular uh, clip. Um, Chat GPT. Um, <laughs> doesn't give a very encouraging answer all right um let's see is it working nick can you hear me i sure can can you hear me i can indeed i'm just waiting for aaron's uh mic to connect up i'm to... here hi aaron how are you you want to stay off screen okay it's up to you you can come on screen or not um nick always oh, okay well, let me go to a place where there's more light then your choice, sir. Uh, um, yeah, I'm just moving to my office. Okay. Um, whilst uh, Aaron is moving, Nick, um, how have you been? 
Um, rough week. Uh, just another family loss. So um, just oh. a little, little worn out from uh, all of the extra activity and stuff. Yeah. Um, um, but it was someone who had a really, really fulfilling and long life. A um, lot of family left behind. And that's the way to do it. Uh, yes, better to be uh, rich in blood than uh, fiat currency, as they say. Um, all right, so I'll wait till Aaron jumps on the screen, then I'll, I'll switch the screen up. Oh, there's, sure. there's Aaron, so let me do this. Hope the keyboard is clean. Get rid of stereo, Kevin. And all right uh so welcome again aaron um it's been a few months since we last spoke and i can see that you've uh, grabbed the hiv origin tiger by the tail and have been diving in ever deeper with the help of uh our nick here and um why don't you tell the tell the world about your latest uh thousand dollar challenge well, um, so far, I, I've had several, a couple of public comments on the thread and some private messages. And even the people who originally were skeptical seem to have confirmed that, you know, everything is, that I said is correct. You know, Nick digs uh, into, uh, I would say, more um, the sinister aspects that are harder to demonstrate on a public site like the NIH website because they relate to you know confidential documents and things like that so i tried to stick to just what you could find on pubmed so that anybody could say wait this isn't true and then okay i'll go to the website i'll look up the pmid and well yeah that's true mm -hmm. um you know the main i mean the two the i would say the two main kickers are that they were cross-connecting the circulatory systems of humans and chimpanzees as part of the um, the early uh, you know trials into getting an hepatitis B vaccine, mm -hmm. um, it's insane to me that your Michael Warabees and all these people who claim to have debunked it insist that the way chimp blood got into the New York gay community was through a wounded hunter in Congo <laughs> where this drop of chip blood you know made a circular route that took. 30 years to get around the world yeah. and just, oh, I forgot to tell you that, by the way, we were just pumping barrels full of chimp blood directly into the New York gay community. Yeah, yeah. We'll left it, that part out. It's um, uh, and then the, the magical zoonosis. Um, is that, yeah, that I, I really... mean, how, do you, how can you honestly say that the wounded hunter theory is legitimate you know, you get a drop of chimp blood in and then just completely dismiss this document right on the NIH website that the inventor of the vaccine, Prince, was <laughs> directly connecting the blood systems of humans and chimps. And you ended up with humans that were, you know, I don't know how long you left them connected, but anywhere up to half of their blood was chimp blood. Um, so that was one. And then the other thing that stunned me was the realization that there was no significant amount of uh, AIDS in sub-Saharan Africa before they started giving the vaccine that Americans refused to take because of the fear that it was giving people AIDS. And yet, 
you know, the part that I would say did, I, I recorded it the next day after I found the document because I was really, I would say kind of emotional and sad and I wanted it to be authentic. I didn't want to do three work, three weeks of researching and then be, um, let's say, jaded or have to fake it. It was really sad to see that document from, I think his name is Jizzle Quest, that they knew from the beginning that we were getting this horrible stereotype of Africans that they're these just sex crazed monsters who've done this to themselves because they're fucking everything that moves, any, you know, anything with that they can hold down, they're banging. That's why AIDS is spreading so much. Yeah, that's they poor that's poor monkeys in the jungle. It's just uh so. I, when I read that report from Chisel Quest that, you know, I realized all of my stereotypes and I you know, I think of myself as being open-minded and, and not prejudicial and i've loved africa and i love children the children there but i always had this impression in my mind that they're the sex crazed maniacs and that's why they've got so much aids and when i saw that just request survey that you know six percent of people who've never had sex are positive that the vast majority who got hiv new infections hadn't had any sexual relations for at least a year and the ones who did, two thirds of them were in monogamous relationships. You know, I'm like, well, well, gosh, I'm a total slut compared to the Africans. I mean, how could I have been had this impression in my mind that I was judging them when? And how is it possible when you read that Jisokwest report that they knew this, and they didn't even bother to look whether this was coming from the vaccine. Even when he writes in his report, it's something injectable of undetermined origins. They didn't even bother to look if it happens to be the vaccine that the American medical community rejected because they said it was giving people AIDS. It just, mm. it was, you know, heartbreaking, really. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of black pills you have to swallow when uh, <laughs> going down this particular path. And, um, no, I I didn't. I only till I met Nick did I even have an inkling. I had some sort of I don't know historical fuzzy idea about what was said and done, and I'd 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 believe the literature when they said they found um, blood samples which were um, HIV positive and prior to the rollout of polio vaccines you know that was like the extent of my knowledge yeah. and then then you just find that there's this well, extraordinary infrastructure that built up around after the second world war and um it was it was just given free license to run amok basically and most disturbingly of Say most disturbing people die. Um, the spoofing of the scientific literature probably, well, the spoofing of the scientific literature allowed more people to die and more people to be exposed than um, was necessary. And the, yeah. um, it's a sad fact. It's the same hit squad who are trying to cover up SARS right now as well. And um, they need a hard takedown, um, in my opinion. Well, exactly. And this, I mean, this showed that there's absolutely 
Hooper, I mean, with no offense, he he's never going to get anywhere because the the polio vaccine, there's so little, let's say, hard, hard, hard evidence. Here with this, we have so much evidence. I mean, this is lying in plain sight right on the NIH website. Mm. And if they manage to cover up something that big, you know, where Merck literally produced that puff piece video crying, oh, it's so sad. We can't get Americans to take our vaccine because even the doctors think it's giving people AIDS. <laughs> we have to write off all those losses and liquidate those hundreds mm. of billions of doses in sub-Saharan Africa. You know, when you have that close to an admission directly from Merck, this is Paul Offit, right? Who who was doing yeah, the, the Paul Offit video. yeah, yeah. He's a reptile of the highest order or lowest order. <laughs> I want to look at it, um, but yeah, he's he slithers around on his belly, that's for sure. And um, oh, Nick, do you want to chime in any on any of this? Um, yeah, I just want to put on record um, what sort of the the path has been as I've met uh, Kevin and we've worked through this over time. Uh, so you understand, you know, why why are we um, associating and discussing this? Um, he someone someone in the COVID lab origin group, uh, I think, introduced us both or just made each other aware, uh, I think, about a year almost com actually coming up on two years now. Uh, I think it was about Christmas of 2021. And uh, Kevin had uh, already clearly, you know, a, a broad international network of uh, both clinicians and bench investigators uh, with different specialties, different areas of science. Um, and he uh, started with, with, as you should, you know, real, real uh, grounded skepticism um, about the things that I was sharing. Uh, and as we waded in deeper and deeper, um, he also helped introduce and facilitate a number of conversations with some really important uh, people in with with chops in the domains of uh, biowarfare, microbiology, things like that. Um, so Kevin has been a real colleague and a supporter and uh, of the scientific process. And uh, I, he's not going to be one to check our math tonight. I'm happy to continue on any further into what I'm just going to call the zoonotic passage from the big mess in about 1955 to 1960 that punctuated in the Congo to what started into the biowarfare stuff and then what emerged as these modified candidate viruses. Um, I'm happy to go back and look at even very high level milestones about that scientifically because it took a long time for me to um, accept the morality of it, the intention of it. Uh, and, and now I'm finishing up what I'm calling the 400 level of the, the, the original HIV lab origin series, as far as the outline and the material that we're going to include. Um, so it's good to hear the things that are completely confounding to you. Like what, what are you talking about? Don't please, you know, this is, this is all about a teachable moment and, with whatever amount of exposure you've had in the literature to different language, I see you doing the citations of the cross circulation. That was a huge, big, uh, you know, aha electric bolt for me as well. But then I kept going further, looking at the the similarities 
throughout the 1960s of a number of procedures that they used that would have exposed people, patients, test subjects to chimpanzee materials, raw materials, just like the Congo, but didn't result in some new uh, interesting infectious chimera like we see in HIV-1. Uh, and that's that's where I went to the chimpanzee ALS, the anti-lymphocyte work, and then confirmed the Visna fusion work. So fusing it together with the sheep virus, which it shares 12 concentric genes with that SIV does not. That's the very that's a very important part of the molecular fingerprint is we can say, OK, it has presentation of Visna. It has disease characteristics of Visna. And we can see where they actually fused it. It was done in South Africa, in Germany, all over the U.S., all over the world in kind of this big honeycomb system. But those are the big, I think, next milestones that are important um, for you to say, I don't get it. Here's why. Uh, I need to see more about X, Y, or Z. I think that that part of the conversation will help um, bring forward things that, things that people have shared with you. Um, and help uh, further your own understanding of the science, which is actually pretty straightforward. And you don't have to learn biochemistry to understand the mechanics of how that happened. Well, I don't know, the fusing of uh, Visna genes with uh, HIV, that probably requires a bit of uh, explanation for that... people. Oh, yeah, no, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. You and I have discussed this. This is the one thing where I want to say, I won't say we disagree. I'll just say that we have different goals in that, you know, I would, uh, the average person gets the, understands the idea that you get a little chimp blood in your body and that's how you got AIDS. And so just getting the average person aware of, for example, this cross circulatory experiment and that we haven't been told the whole story that they expose people to AIDS if we could get a broad audience to understand that, then uh, I think that the, the the house of cards comes tumbling down. Now you're coming at it from a different point of view, which is that you want to understand the whole process and exactly how it happened. And, and I do agree with you. I've seen this the papers proving your point that SIV by itself doesn't cause AIDS, that something happened to it. Um, and so I, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing that that's the case, but the point is, is kind of like, uh, you know, trying to boil the ocean, you know, in that I don't think, you know, it's, if we can't even get the mainstream, uh, I, I, I don't want, I don't want to interrupt whilst the conversation uh -huh. is so rich. Um, people are saying mics are low now, I think, um, that's maybe on your end, Aaron. Do you have a mic that you can bring up closer to the mic? I can hear him loud and clear, but... Yeah, some reason you're low as well. Do you hear me well? Uh... Hang on. Let me... Let me um... He's got a whole lot of controls between the layers, so give him a second and he'll mm. get, it, okay. get it tweaked. Uh, but no, I, I I didn't have any trouble, Aaron. You've been you've been five by five. Yeah, you're hearing the um, Zoom call. Um, other people are getting the sort of mixed in um, data 
the stream. So uh, try the. That goddamn bleak changed everything. Um, yeah, and it's way lower than it should be. Don't know why. All right, give me sound check now, please, gentlemen. Check, check, one, two, three. Testing, testing, one, uh, two, three. Far better, uh, Aaron, please. Okay, testing. Do you hear me? Yes, yes, that that sounds good. Um, I just jump it up a little more and there okay all right um if you guys can remember where yeah we yeah we were we were uh really aaron was was clarifying um uh kind of two different uh channels or directions that we're we're going in and i have returned back to the the stepping stones the zoonotic passage that i'm you know really right now i'm 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 just focused on it back and forth to make sure that it's airtight um and because of my enthusiasm aaron about your work and about how you're approaching it how grounded you're staying and i'm not talking about chat gpt i mean that's a that's an excellent research tool and a partner um i, I, doing, I just have to say it's a brilliant um device to sort of hook people in um bravo yeah. for uh, thinking that one it's up. getting worse though there um the like when i'm trying to it's not nearly as useful as it was a couple months ago no oh. i don't know whether they're putting more censorship controls on it but uh it's not giving you links like it used to um oh. it's making more mistakes and i i think that when it comes to vaccine topics, it's there's more like restrictions on it than it's. It maybe it said things in the past that the Microsoft and OpenAI didn't want it to say. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, well, doesn't surprise me. Uh, the the if people think stuff is bad now, um, I don't think you've seen anything yet. And especially, you know, people are so dependent on Google and whatever other search engines you want to use. And this is the next real iterative leap right and yeah. people are just too too trusting of authority in this right in all these contentious subjects and they've they've literally made a a disease category of uh disinfo yeah information disorder right you've got yeah. a psychological disorder if you're um wanting to go and poke around the uh, the dank basement as it were and the which is a pity um I, i'm i'm kind of wondering if we could sort of maybe maybe sort of make an open source version that would do the same thing they, they have open source versions but the thing is is this takes such a huge amount of data uh, and you know, uh, OpenAI estimates it's a hundred million dollars worth of, of training uh, costs to get the whole training data online. So the the open source versions I've downloaded them. I mean, I'm a software developer, but you're not going to get something this so useful, uh, you know, on a laptop. What you know, my real goal is, I mean, and with ChatGPT and all of this, is just to get people hopefully that a public like for example just this one little issue with the cross connecting the circulatory systems if the public was aware 
that these vaccine scientists were literally playing Russian roulette with our lives and that uh, they could have, you know, they don't have to agree that it did. They don't have to understand all of the complex nuances. They just realize they're not to be trusted. And uh, therefore, when the UN, I mean, this UNWHO pandemic treaty scares the crap out of me because Mm -hmm. once that's signed, I mean, that's 190 nations around the world that have to agree to put the censorship controls on. It's going to become like the Tiananmen Square that that they could literally kill half of our population and we wouldn't even know it. And uh, once you have the, their requirements for the QR codes and vaccine passports, you could literally, you've given this Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates the power that if they want to kill off half of us, they can do it and we'll blame ourselves and we'll think it's climate change or anything but them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. There's a, a potential here that the... The deed has been done already with uh, what they did in the last three three years. Um, the, the sort of yeah, no, I, I'm proof of it because I never would have gotten. You know, I have permanent tinnitus and and heart damage because I got my Moderna jab. I knew I didn't need it because I had just recovered from COVID, and the Israeli studies and all the studies showed that your natural immunity was good. Um, but I didn't realize that the risks were so great and that so many people were having hyperinflammatory responses because I, I checked it. There's just nothing on social media. Nobody talks about it. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm sitting in the doctor's office and he tells me, no, one in 200 will have a response like you did, I'm like, this isn't possible. I'd be hearing millions of reports. And that's when I turned on my camera on my cell phone and secretly recorded the doctor telling me this and took pictures of my medical records. And then when I tried to post them online, that's when I realized why I'd never heard of this. Because mm-hmm. you can't talk about any negative experience you had with the vax or you get censored for misinformation. Yeah. And so when when um, Twitter took the controls off and for the first time we could talk about our experiences, it was on the one hand refreshing to see that you're not alone and that there's you know, an army of other people who are having the similar response and you can now connect. Uh, but it was also scary to realize that if they put the censorship controls back on, we're going to be back in that, you know, dark, blinded world like we were in 2020 and 2021, where these sorts of things can happen because we're just not informed and we don't even know what's going on. Yeah, this is, I, I don't know what the solution to that is. I mean, you know, my approach has been to sort of build out um, server architecture and get people to try to sort of huddle around the little campfire of freedom. I don't know. But just uh, natural human um, inquisity to, uh, you know, what are huge moves being made by uh, bureaucratic infrastructure that is national and transnational and the fact that they're being so censorious um just it doesn't bode well uh in my mind um i don't know where it ends well, up digi- digital id will will put an end i you know this keeps getting dismissed as a conspiracy theory but when you look at the technical white papers this this isn't the case i mean the digital id is 
specifically saying that all the sites, Rumble, Twitch, the sites that are now still the free for you know free space havens, mm-hmm. will need to have a uh, single sign-on, you know, using the digital ID sign-on, mm-hmm. or they'll be blocked. So you know, right now, the I would say I was ignorant because I didn't go offline. You know, I I, I stayed in the mainstream, you know, Facebook and Twitter. Uh, but at least we had the opportunity to use other sites that were less censored, like you know Reddit and Twitch. But once the the rules are in place that there has to be a single sign-on using your digital ID, or the domain will be blocked at the um, national level. Mm. You know, there's no we don't unless we're going to encrypted you know dark web, which that could be blocked as well. How are we going to communicate about these sorts of things? Uh, again, um, my hope is that we have a sort of distributed node-type network that sits outside there. On you know, people are going to have to stump up for servers and um, and build out the architecture that way. Um, beyond that, I don't know. Back back to um, snail mail. <laughs> Telegraph. Uh, I, I'm not sure what else, but it, I don't know, did you did you see Jacinda Ardern the other day in the UN basically saying that you know misinformation is essentially an act of war and they're they're going to treat it as such. Um, I would I would implore people take her at her word, right? When she's standing there mm-hmm. with a horse face grin and the uh, <laughs> the treacle like uh, concern as she moting to the audience um these people are very very dangerous and um look I, I i don't want to pry into your medical details but um what was no you can ex- ask me anything I... oh okay uh, what was the extent it, it was well what happened is is i got the jab and then uh, I had just the usual achy discomfort, nothing big like what was expected for the first few hours. And then about 10 hours later, when I went to bed, right around the time I was starting to fall asleep, um, I started having a seizure. And I've never had any medical problems. I've never been to the hospital or nothing. And I was shaking uncontrollably. I felt like my body was just a block of ice. I couldn't move. I couldn't speak. Uh, There was a sharp shooting pain in my chest. And all I could do was just shake and try to get somebody to, you know, help me. Mm. And um, so eventually they they got me to the um, emergency room and said, I'm having a hyperinflammatory response because I was having trouble breathing as well. And my it was all on the left side. My left tonsil was so swollen, it was blocking my windpipe. And side of the injection. Um, so they, yeah. Oh. Uh, you know, I, to be honest, I'm not 100% sure. I never really paid much, much attention. But the uh, where they gave me the jab, but everything was on the left side. I'm assuming that was it. Uh, the doctors had no question that it was the vaccine. They gave me um, anti-inflammatories. And so the, the initial... Uh, mo- the initial problem calmed down very quickly. Within like an hour, I, you know, the pain was gone. Uh, the only lingering issue was the ringing in my ear, which they said 
was permanent because the the inflammation crushed the inner ear and so there was physical damage to it that will never get better it's diminished a lot and they say it's largely because your brain is like learning to just you know mask out that you can no longer hear certain frequencies but they did tests and they can confirm exactly which frequencies were were damaged and which part of the inner ear was damaged and i you know i since learned that's actually fairly common dr poland who worked for moderna on this vaccine that you know that i got had the same response and i've heard many others say the same thing and it does appear to be batch driven because when i looked up the batch number that's on my on my vaccination card there were thousands of reports and 16 deaths in vares on that batch and they say vares is you know one or two percent of the total number so um it, it does appear that you're getting quality control issues where some batches are a lot worse than others Aaron, yeah. did you um look up your lots on how bad is my batch that's what that's what I was referring to was on how bad is my batch. Yes. Oh, okay, I got okay. a bad said, batch. Got it. Got it. Um. Yeah. What the, what a um horrible wake up to the matrix you had. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I guess prior to that, you were just I don't know. Had you been paying attention mm-hmm. to lab origin and um the the yeah the lab the lab leak um i you know was as soon as i saw warabi's paper (laughs) dismissing it because he said you know because i've been following the aids opv theory for a long time and i know that when warabi's name is associated with something that means cover-up and so when i looked at his paper and his paper basically says well we got a list of early cases from the Chinese authorities that are accused of covering up the virus and gosh, there's no lab. There's nobody associated with the lab on that list. So can't be a lab leak. Case closed. That's it. Move on now. (laughs) There's positive evidence. Case closed. It Mm. wasn't the lab leak because surely China would never have filtered the list. And you know, that's so the lab leak I was following the vaccine I was following. I was really more following the, how effective it was because I wasn't hearing of any reports of, of side effects. The the big eye opener was that testimony from the girl, um, uh, Maddie, Maddie Haynes, Garrett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Haynes, I think, where she, uh, I, okay, I, this just blew my mind that the trial application, but I've since confirmed it in one of my videos. I included a screenshot. It literally asks you, you know, which of the following four mild symptoms did you experience? And there's no other. There's no fill in the blank. If you if you have another symptom, you have to get them to report it. And as she said, her daughter, right after the second dose, you know, was hospitalized for six months and on a feeding tube, and it went into their official trial results as stomach discomfort. Yeah, it's uh, it's shocking what they've done, and I don't. It just compounds on top of the you know the HIV stuff and the. Um, I don't know, man. The, the U.S. science apparatus has a lot to answer for, in my mind, right now. And the the question is: Are you likely to see any justice be done? I guess um, probably not. 
not not an official capacity. All you can hope to do is um, convince the public, right, that, that the emperor has no clothes, basically, and they should be subject to mockery. Um, all the institutes are broken. We've seen in the last uh, week, um, Fauci was getting into CIA buildings right. without having to register as a visitor, etc. And he was pushing lab origin and uh, a way to, uh, as a way to deflect what they, what they were doing. And the simple fact. You know, it's been going on 80, 80 years. My, one of my videos was my late business partner was the, the chairman of Hill and Knowlton. And he was the one who was first, his first project was covering up the link between t cigarettes and lung cancer. So they set up the Tobacco Research Council, specifically made it, convinced the public that it was a pseudo health agency uh, and all of these neutral scientists who were hired by the government were saying they couldn't find any link between cigarette smoking and cancer. And it was his team that developed that. It was called an honest truth that Loran in 400 pages, uh, 400 newspapers nationwide saying that We've heard these rumors that there might be some link between lung cancer and smoking. And we, as the uh, tobacco industry, would obviously pull our product from the shelves if there was any truth to them. Uh, but so far, you know, the, the medical community believes that smoking is, is good for you. And doctors were recommending patients start smoking. I mean, the most outrageous was that camel ad where the doctor tells the mother, <clears throat> if you want your daughter to live to be live to be 100, you need to start her smoking camels. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, and, I, I'm old enough to remember young kids smoking in the streets. And, uh, you know, it was uh, a bit frowned upon, but it, it wasn't it wasn't unusual to see 10 year olds puffing on, you know, rolled up cigarettes when i were a lad um i hope it's better now well they're all on uh e-cigs right so <laughs> technology but and the progress back then i mean to me the the real kicker is the censorship and that was what i was trying to get across in that in that mm -hmm. last video was that uh back then people were allowed to speak up you know and and while their voices may be getting drowned out by the establishment there was nothing stopping them from publishing letters to, to the editor. Investigative journalists were digging in and were saying, no, this stuff isn't right. Doctors, you know, were refusing to give that Merck vaccine, mm -hmm. saying we're just not going to give it because we think it's causing AIDS. You know, today that's not an option. You know, doctors lose their license if they contradict the narrative. And we no longer have letters to the editor. We no longer have hard-hitting investigative journalists digging for the truth, you know, we only rely on social media. And as that gets more and more censored, um, you know, we get cut off. Yeah. Um, any comments, Nick? Uh, yeah. As a, as a historian, uh, you're, you're just making all my puppies jump up and down in the box. It's, we, we have great resources. Uh, one I've got in my hand right here is an, is an archival 1978 copy of the Merck Manual. And the pages are so thin, you can see through them. They're thinner than the Bible. 
And uh, a couple of times I've just put my thumb in the Merck manual and opened up to uh, issues that are directly related to what we've just been talking about. One of the great revelations was in a very brief paragraph, they were describing uh, heart disease. And they said upwards of 90% of heart disease is rheumatoid. And that means it's autoimmune. Mm. And that is manageable. But unfortunately, that also dovetails back into another, you know, one of those those dark folds of history of those conversations that occurred at the WHO in the early 70s about uh, virus-associated immunopathology. So they were listing a huge catalog of things that just might cause problems with human health. And lo and behold, as they had partnered over the years with uh, all of these investigational experimental, you know, societies of experimental biology and so on and so forth, the medical primatologists, um, people, people working in some ways with a justification to replace human tissues and sera uh, as, you know, having a, having, a, having a secondary source. That was one legitimate reason for some of that work. But most of it, if you look under the surface of the water, you see they weren't doing anything about that. They were just going off into these vectors of inventing more and more uh, chimeric viruses. So that having that, the point is having that hard record, having that um, indelible, uneditable, unredactable record is really, really good. And we can do that right now, at least in PDF format. That's why... It, it just kind of dawned on me in the last, I'd say, month that how, however many people totally don't care about the academic. Oh, we lost Nick. Just and then. the language you have to learn. We did lost you? you for about you three or four seconds. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, I, you were I've, saying about I've shut people could delve in. Um, yeah, yeah. I, that's the point is I've, I've just been uh, teaching and, and put out another little video on how to aggregate more materials. And in that video, I also taught them that little secret squirrel of how you can access a whole lot of full text items. The point being is that you can create your own uh, little data island, your own structure. And so there will be redundant libraries and some of them will be very concentric with others. Um, I don't, you know, I like the idea of blockchain uh, in, in concept, um, but at the same time, there's so much to be said for, you know, it doesn't matter how many thousands of papers you aggregate. If you don't understand them, you'll have lost um, missing and suppressed treatments and therapies like we see in some of these materials and the history that we are correcting right now that where our jaws hit the desk about chimps and humans being connected with nothing but a tube. No wonder we kept seeing leukemia cases that presented SIV. Those, those were some of the particles isolated by Gallo in the early 70s. No wonder we were seeing them in people. We kept putting direct unfiltered chimpanzee products into them. So that's where I think this is hopeful because we don't, we're not on a mission to solve and, and basically uncover every tile of this buried city. We can, we can unearth enough of it to affect really significant change. And whether that comes from very public legal confrontations, which I think is a really important track, uh, or scientific and ethics confrontations, however those might manifest, 
you know, uh, if someone can be held to account and shown that, you know, that they're an absolute uh, monster with regard to the biodefense work that they did and its implications for human life on the planet, maybe they can be pulled down off of their um, their global organizations, the, the committees, the benches, the boards that they sit on. Maybe one at a time, we can make it apparent that you can't hide in an ivory tower forever. Mm. Wise words. Um, send in the demolition crews, take out those towers. <laughs> um, just for the reader or oh, listener, sorry. Um, uh, do either of you just have the chimpanzee paper? I can just bring it up on the screen. Oh, I do. Or share, share screen. I think I've enabled screen sharing. If you just want to bring that up, just so people. Um... Although one thing, I'll, I'll just before we get into that, I want to add to Nick's, where where again I. I... I focus on the whistleblower because think about Edward Snowden and the NSA that uh, Congress did have investigations. You know, they, they asked James Clapper's point blank, did you, are you collecting, you know, phone records on Americans? And they said, no. Um, and the similarly with Julian Assange and the helicopter, you know, um, video, they just deny it and deny it and deny it. And there's there there's not a lot you can do in the sense with courts and uh, congressional hearings because they just will redact everything, withhold what's what's discriminatory. When you get these big revelations like Assange and with Snowden, it's because somebody, in you know like Snowden's case, said I'm willing to give it all up, um, and I will you know come forward and leak this evidence. And, and I do think that in the medical we're going to need something similar. We've gotten whistleblowers at kind of a, of a more of a lower level, or ones who haven't had the documents. Like for example, the, um, what's his name, Yeet, um, Yeetin, the ex-VP of Pfizer, mm, um, yeah. who's talking a lot about this, but he doesn't have the actual, uh, you know, documents like an insider whistleblower would. If we get whether it's from Pfizer, whether it's from Merck, you know, one of these things where if we get a Edward Snowden to come forward and say, you know, I'm going to be willing to go live in exile somewhere <laughs> in, you know, Tahiti under a new identity. Um, and in exchange, I'll let the public know what we're really doing behind the scenes. I think that would probably be like with Snowden and Assange, the way that millions and millions and millions of people would finally, you know, open their eyes and say, okay, this, we got to do something about this. Yeah, it's... Um... What we saw in the last three to four years was a, like I say, a demonstration of raw power that they were able to keep so many scientists and commentators in their in their place and at every stage. And I'm I'm not hopeful that we're going to see that much coming forward i mean like the stuff about like the cia i mean anything involving the cia i'm just wondering yeah what are they up to now um i don't know how much to really really believe it and i was playing earlier that there's like a pivot occurring so yes we can blame 
that awful Fauci, and then we can, uh, uh, but we have to hold China responsible. And in my mind, in the um, in the neocon perspective, um, it's it's a way to ramp up and uh, the war drums, as it were. Um, so, uh, thankfully, uh, Nick, I, I can say at least the PubMed entries are on the left-hand side of the distribution curve with publications. They're not. Uh, they're not I doing it anymore. That that document you're looking for, Nick. I was never able to find the document, but if you check the Zoom chat, I sent you the link to the one with the cross circulation. It's in the okay. Zoom chat. Okay. That document, oh. if you can find it, it's not on Sci-Fi. That one I've really been looking for too, because the care and management might have some more details about how often this was done and where Prince was doing it. But this is the one that I did find. Okay, so you okay? Uh, did you find it out on the on SciHub? Uh, yes. Okay. Did you do yeah. it with the title or the You've PubMed got the full ID? text article link on the right hand I think side? I oh, hello! On the it's a free. Link. It's a free. It's a free. Sorry. May not just be free, assume, but well, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Pay for it. Uh, so we go like this. Boop. Alakazam. That's uh, it. No. Wait. Oh, mice uh, yes, that's grafted. No. Wait. Uh, no, that's not it. Uh, no, this has happened to me before. So go, Let's go try back, it again. Go back to the steps. Yeah, we want Keeling and more. Mm. Um, and let's see. I'm trying to think of any other way. Um, this is one of the the journals that I know. I just need to sit there and get ten years of their stuff and photocopy it all. Uh, um, let me try typing in the title into the sci-fi into the sci-hub. Sci-hub. I've had this happen on, uh, somewhere else where it was one of those um, a attempt to infect someone that was immunosuppressed with a primate uh, retrovirus. That was basically the title. Okay, here I'm going to put it in. This is the chat. Thanks for standing by, everybody, as we uh, experience our. This is this is some of the weird, funny business that you get. You'll get a a, a PMID. That then you go to the actual journal and you pull it up and the number pulls up a, as, as labeled by the journal, a different article. You have the right number. You have the source journal, how it's listed from PubMed to the source journal. There is an error. I've seen that happen in three different papers. How about this? And it was all I've just found. What's oh that? God, this one's dark. Uh, let me grab the screen from you. Thanks, Aaron. Here we go. We got That's it. We it. got it. Uh, uh, put that one away, gentlemen. Um, we've got... Uh... <laughs> Dr. Kev wants to play. Um, Jesus. I can't believe what I'm seeing here. But... Um... Oh, 
hang on. Do I have to? Do you want me to if you screen? keep? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, just just two two shakes of a lamb's tail. Just a second, Kevin. So, Aaron, if if you keep pulling this thread, you can go all the way back through the 1950s to the yellow fever World War II military vaccine that basically infected the United States with hepatitis B. Which came first, the chimp or the human? Uh, it's still, you know, I, I, I don't think I'm, I'm solid. Um, serum hepatitis is something that's been observed in the literature for a long time. So it may be safe to say, okay, it really was a human disease originally. Um, but anyway, that's another big important chapter about hepatitis B uh, and kind of kicks us off into the journal, you know, into this era of medical primatology. Okay, Kevin. You're up. Kevin's black pill kickball. Mm. He's up to the plate. I He's think I, I think I'm going to win today. Oh God! What did you find? This. <laughs> uh, let you absorb the title. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's the location? Um. Uh, those are all English or uh, American names, it looks like, from the mixture. Emery. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yep. 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 Okay. Oh, UC. University of North Carolina. Um, and the Yerkes Regional. Okay. Mm. Yeah. I know many people that work there. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. I saw, I saw this one. And there are many. I think uh, it's safe to say that the things that occurred to the children at Willowbrook were not at all restricted to the children at Willowbrook. Mm. Um, I'm staggered. This isn't 1940s or 50s. This article is 1973. Yeah. Um, the, the the idea of um, blood matching um, donors that's that has been well established um you you know you've got a blood type uh, properly otherwise you They gonna... did they did check the blood type uh, at least in the document that I showed they they found chimpanzees who had matching blood types i guess they have the same blood types as humans do uh... No, they have multiple blood types yeah well yeah but they <laughs> and within all of the blood types there is an entire spectrum in every single animal you're going to get something they don't all contain a siv it's not a it's not endogenous um but it's it, it, you know there's enough prevalence that they saw it repeatedly manifest in a variety of experiments throughout the 60s as they kept producing chimpanzee als um and that was before they kevin they really surfaced things like this um so please well I, i'm just gobsmacked that this took place in the in the 70s um mm -hmm. now um it sounds like a pretty drastic situation um hepatic uh, coma and um i guess i think the other one is even a, a bigger smoking gun because the other one says a technique described by prince who was the inventor of the hepatitis b vaccine testing on the New York gay community, who is the patent holder for a um, hepatitis B vaccine made from chimp blood. And so 
the the impression I got from the other one, it, the other one was trying to deal with hepatitis, con, with giving immunity to hepatitis B, uh, which is exactly what Prince was testing on the New York gay community to come up, figure out how to control the hepatitis B outbreak. So the impression that I got from that was that the 1970 to 78 experiments did involve with in uh, putting infecting the gay community or injecting chimp blood straight into the New York gay community and taking their blood out. And that therefore the blood that was used to make the 1978 vaccine that was used in the national trial appeared to have been made from the, the previous batch, which meant that it would have been a mixture of human and chimp blood because the humans were that, that it came from were now <laughs> half full of chimp blood. And so the the impression I got is that pre-1978, they injected raw chimp blood into the gay community. From 1978 to 1981, they gave a vaccine that went through a purification process that had blood drawn from the prior experiment participants, but would have contained chimp blood because they had chimp blood in them. And then the commercial vaccine that was produced in 1981 was the one that was conducted from the gay community in the 1978 to 1981 trials. Yeah, I'm just I'm just interested what their rationale is for I mean this this was a look man, three year old child, uh, distraught parents, I guess. Throw kitchen sink at it. Um these have included Kevin, if this if sorry, go ahead please. No, I'm just these have included multiple exchange transfusions, plasmapheresis, extracorporeal liver perfusion, human cross-circulation. I mean, human cross-circulation used to be a, a thing, right, um, in the sort of 1900s. Um, if you had I think like... part of it was that in Willowbrook, they, when they were deliberately infecting children with hepatitis B to create the antigens, they, you know, the the public was outraged and they passed the laws prohibiting it. So after 71, it looks like they said, well, we'll just infect chimpanzees with hepatitis B because they have compatible blood and will generate antibodies. Wow. We can well. include baboons on that list reading this. Uh, no. Wow. So if this were... Uh, an anal in an analogy, Kevin, if this were the gun sight up on the end of the barrel, right, the far sight, um, would it help to have uh, a an example from 1967 of where this work kind of really kicked off? Yeah, I want I want to see it. So I see this uh, acute hepatic coma treated by cross circulation okay. in 1967. Um, here's 1966. Um, I've got one. I've got one on tap right now. Okay. Um, yeah. But you know, even the history, I would say, if we if we think about something, just one little thing that we could convey to the mainstream public, if the mainstream public was aware that the tests that they were doing in the gay community were filling them with chimp blood, I mean, that's one little detail. It doesn't explain the whole picture. It doesn't explain the whole history. But you know, people have a short attention span to understand you know, all of this stuff. That's one little detail that if we could get a mainstream, uh, you know, 100 million people to be aware of that, and it's something that they can verify right there on PubMed, you know, that I th personally, I think would break a lot of their 
the confidence that they have in these people because they realize that they've been lying to us, that the Fauci's and all these other people who keep telling us that, oh, it was it was just a uh, wounded hunter in Congo and have been they haven't been telling us the whole story. They know a lot more. Mm. Yeah. Um, I'd be, you know, what would be really useful is to get sort of um, seminar and meetings minutes in the lead up to this. Who was the first that said we're going to use a chimpanzee? Uh, How far back are you going to go, Kevin? Um, I just, I just want to see the uh, the rationale being built within the literature. This is a good thing to do because at, at this point they knew not to. Or there's severe risks with, you know, tapping one vein from one person and putting it into the vein of another. That would that would have been established. Strong medicine at that point, or strong medical theory, I should say. I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to think of the mindset that would just say, well, we can use chimp blood. This... Um, take a look. Would you would you switch over and share what I'm presenting? Well, the mindset yeah. is Stanley Plotkin, who said, you know, we need to do these experiments on those who are human in form, but not in social potential. So. The, the gay community, in this case, these these children who were in a coma, the orphans and mentally disabled at Willowbrook, um, the mindset was these are disposable people. We can do what we want with them, and they may get cancer, but it's it's not going to spread to the general population. Yeah. Subnormal people, and they had many, many, many categories in that list, and all of that kind of quietly sat on a shelf during the 50s and 60s for the most part after the eugenics um, took a hit. They, the eugenicists in America got a black eye when Hitler said, we must do as the Americans are doing, especially the California Eugenics Society. Uh, they had to shift their brand. Um, but the language and the groupings and the pseudoscience that they had produced about people that are different because of their melanation, because of whatever, uh, that's that was sitting around and waiting, and it started rearing its ugly head um, as conflicts about bioethics came to light. Each time one of these horrendous things came into the press, everyone, whoa, 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 you know, they all, you know, fluffed their white jackets and said, "Well, we shouldn't do that, and we'd never do that." Except everybody that was still doing that, that they're not going to come running forward and say, "I'm doing horrible, awful, awful, unethical things on people and children and animals." Um, no, no one's going to do that. Publish or perish. Um, no one bites the hand that feeds them. And those that do, like Wolf Smoonis, who is cited as uh, coming forward in the monthly meetings following the administration in New York in 78 of uh, 1,083 volunteers got the Heptavax formulation from Merck. And it, at his obituary, clayed. Stevens, one of the colleagues that continued on into the war on hepatitis, which turned into a global program, uh, talked about Wolf coming to those monthly surveillance meetings and 
creating a big fuss every month and demanding, quote unquote, a, an individual accounting of every volunteer, end quote. Um, this is some of the information that unless you look up little strange abstracts and notes and ephemera between these scientists, you'll miss a lot of the truth of what was occurring. This is 1967. And this is when I said, Kevin, you know, maybe let's move our, our, our uh, perspective back to the, to the beginning of the barrel. Um, right here, they're mapping lymphocytologies between people and chimpanzees. And they had already seen and published and studied a great number of severe health effects, namely leukemias and soft palate cancers, things like that, from all of the primate exposures. Um, but this is where they're really focusing on the primary underlying disease mechanism of HIV, which is to knock out your white cells. And they're, they're getting it lined up right here. Uh, just public service announcement, folks. But apparently my, my Telegram uh, account, my user account has been hacked. So ignore any Telegram messages from me right now. So, and I didn't want to dive into a whole bunch more papers. I just wanted to, in that, in that line about looking at the cross circulation, why would we do it? Um, uh, this is where, as your historian, I've got to remind you of this unfortunate thing. And the iceberg for me is the best, simplest model to remind you of dual purpose. You can, you, you, you could spend an inordinate amount of time running around the mulberry bush trying to figure out why someone would do something that seemed so contrary to principles of public health or safety or quality or profitability. Why would they do that to their company? But if you don't know that there's a whole separate operation occurring uh, and that it may have been done as a front so that another operation could be deployed, like it appears was the case with hep Heptivax and HIV, um, then you're you're just lost out in the foyer. You've never gotten into the building. You don't, you know, you don't really, you're not getting um, the real purpose of the operation. And that's where I don't, I, you know, I haven't broken into a base. I don't have any illegally acquired materials. Everything comes from the public domain. Um, it's just that penetrating the scientific stuff and lining that up in relation to these conversations that were also conducted about the intention of biodefense, the specific types of weapons that they were pursuing from a number of different animals with similar types of mechanisms, um, infectious cancer, slow debilitating disorders, prionic disorders, um, you know, disorders that could be distributed that would slowly debilitate an entire population and thereby their armies. This was all the rage during the Cold War. So that always has to be taken into well, account because that's all the rage now, Nick. But, you know, uh, well, yeah, no, <laughs> it went out of style with disco, Kevin. No, it's gone. No, now we're on to sustainability and green. No, but and, and that's that's uh, just it. That's the anchor that we've, we've got to keep in mind. It took me so long to accept it, not that it's technically difficult or that it's difficult to find uh, eyewitnesses, people who built their careers in defense and intelligence, people who've gone on record like Ted Gunderson of the FBI talking about operations that have a storefront 
to make anybody that tries to point it out look like a fool and to get ridiculed. Um, as you said, you know, Aaron, when you talked about why aren't more people talking about these injuries? Because there's there's a dampening field. Um, so those are some thoughts. Yeah. It's funny when you say that, it, that it's not out of style, it's come back because it makes <laughs> you laugh. When you see these videos of Klaus Schwab, I mean, do you get any, this is like the stereotypical cartoon evil character from the 1980s oh, yeah. and 90s. This, this is Mike German Myers, actor, yes, yes. Bald head, who's like, evil eat the bugs and you're going to be happy. And it's, mm. it's over the top. Well, and much of what we're seeing is geared towards the neural domain, cognitive domain, and you know whether whether that's uh, psychology, etc., weaponized psychology. But you know, m my concern obviously is the um, neurotropic elements that these people have been obviously studying for a long, long time. And this, it doesn't, it doesn't bode well for uh, potential outcomes right now. Because like I say, you've, you've had a, um, a pathogen and a intervention that potentially, you know, I, I don't know how, if you followed this tool, um, but this is for Aaron. The um, so I've are you familiar with me talking about amyloidogenic sequences that type of thing? No. no. So these are essentially um, peptide sequences that can cause misfolding of proteins. And as our knowledge has sort of progressed, we've come to learn that things like Parkinson's, Alzheimer's are protein misfolding. Disorders kind of akin to um, mad cow disease, uh, Kreutzfeldt-Jakob, and the OG original Wuhan strain contains a number of amyloidogenic sequences. Now that in and of itself is yeah, it's bad, but you know they're in um, they're in a number of how should we say. Um, viruses that were of interest to the neuroscience community for potentially having a role in the emergence of Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, etc. And the current work, so prion and amyloidosis is this very sort of broad encompassing um, subject matter area now. But the uh, the presumption had had been for a long time that you needed uh, a like-for-like like protein interaction to cause the misfolding and the sticking together of these um, oligomers. And this this has changed somewhat recently as they've as they've honed in on these what they call amyloidogenic epitopes, and the most recent big update that we have is that one of these epitopes in the original strain of Wuhan plus what would have been gene transfected into people specifically catalyzes the uh, formation of the scrapey form of prion protein. 
Now, I'm, and I'm old-fashioned, but you know, when, when that sort of uh, data used to appear, we went to extreme lengths to remove any, any hint that there was uh, contamination or exposure that could lead to the emergence of CJD-like illnesses. And right now, we've got a peptide sequence. It's just 20 amino acids long, but they've gone and shoved it into the arms of billions of people. So we're going to have like the short-term responses, like yourself that you had um, with inflammation. And then we have this issue of this peptide being expressed and then slowly beginning these um, prion cascades. And... Um, yeah, who do, I, don't, I don't know where this ends up, right? I'm, I'm at the limit of my sort of experience and knowledge with this stuff. Um, there's new stuff emerging all the time, but it, it, it may the well... Sad, Go on. The sad part is it's not nobody's... I don't think the that many people will ever get their heads around that because i mean the simplest one was mercury we were all taught as a kid if this thermometer breaks grab the kids because it's such dangerous stuff mm. that you get just a little drop of it on your skin and it can get in your blood and it'll get to your brain and cause damage and they were injecting mercury everybody people very few people understand what a folded prion is but everybody understands if you get mercury into your blood it's bad mm. and the CDC, you know, um, Vera Streeton said 7.6 times more likely to get autism when you get mercury. We've got his emails foiled where he's saying, no matter what I do, I can't erase the connection. Um, I'm being forced to compare apples and pears to disprove this theory. And it took him four years of adjustments. And despite it being so obvious, still, you know, 80% of the population accepts the mainstream view that, yeah. well, a little bit of mercury in your blood is harmless. So if they're willing to accept that mercury is harmless in your blood, you've got a real battle convincing people yeah, yeah. that a folded prion is going to do any damage. Mm, yeah. And this is, uh, it's, it's a Sisyphean task of sort of continually pushing the rock up this slope, trying to get this issue to be discussed in a um in in a in a domain where there aren't gatekeepers very deliberately um guiding and and shutting down conversations and again it's it's only likely to get worse as the well as you say chat gpt was good for, for a month or two <laughs> and then nothing nothing can be trusted ever again what are we looking at well Nick? i uh, we're looking uh, at the tail end of the Visna virus fusion with a continuous monkey cell kidney line. Hmm. And this is uh, one of many. This is a German experiment. This is one of many that was performed around the world. Uh, I see an interesting paper very similar from South Africa. I see them from folks at the Royal Society and, of course, all over the U.S. and Japan. Um, there was a continuity of materials and practices. And when they would have uh, these uh, society of experimental biology sessions, these large 
um, symposiums. They would exchange uh, all of their information and they were getting supplies and materials. They were getting virus lines from one another um, and really collaborating through this sort of honeycomb network. Uh, this is 1973. And uh, so as we have talked about recently, I think that the evidence that there was an, a mid early seventies New York cohort that I have repeatedly cited from Smunas when he's talking um, retroactively about the losses to follow up in that group, it would appear that the timeline of Visna being in SIV gets closer and closer to suggesting that perhaps that first experiment really was um, the final version of the virus that they did the national deployment with. I'm, I'm uncertain. It's, it's really difficult to say, um, but so this is one of the, this is to, one of the, the, the milestones. Um, just to go to the beginning of that paper, what's the reasoning mm -hmm. for them doing this? Why, why take such, um, evolutionarily distant um, organisms and yeah. expose the virus. Um, this I want to try to... Because they had, they had been working with Visna virus since it was characterized uh, and, and spread around from Iceland back in, I think, the 1940s. It was a darling of biodefense research. It's an RNA virus. It is uh, quite capable and willing to dance with another partner, meaning it is readily recombinant. Uh, and they had success in creating a number of chimeras before this point. Now, my opinion is, is that this was the finishing touch to HIV-1. And they had observed that raw direct SIV transfers again and again, as I've belabored that point, uh, uh, produced a certain percentage of cancers and leukemias, uh, but it didn't create the wasting disorder and it didn't really seem to fully collapse the immune system of everyone that had been exposed to it. Otherwise, we, we would have seen the beginning of HIV in the early 1960s. It would have um, been a totally different timeline for Africa's epidemiology. So I think this was, that's the reason I was just talking about dual purpose. There is no reason to do this. The sheep virus is from Iceland. These chimpanzees live in Central Africa. There's no dietary, migratory, hereditary connection between anything involved here. This was about biodefense. Yeah, yeah. Um, that That's just writ large all over it at the moment. I'm just, I'm just wondering if, they say that in the introduction of the Kevin, they just dance around available. it as just, well, we, you know, we woke up one day and thought with, <laughs> you know, uh, the one way I'll push back on that, Nick is uh, look at Wuhan lab and all of these eco health Alliance. A lot of times they're doing these experiments, not because they really have any good reason to do it. It's just because they can, they want to experiment and, they're getting money for it. You know, it seems like, like with the eco health, they're just kind of like, well, what if we try mixing a bat virus and doing this? And what if we add a fewer and cleavage site? They didn't seem like they had to come up with a really good justification. They just come up with a really flimsy one. Like, Oh, we would just, we just want to see what would happen if these two viruses mixed in the real world. Yeah. But that's, see. that's a window. Give us a million dollar bucks. That's a window dressing. Um, they, yep. 
they knew very much what they were doing and they knew this was part of um, biodefense medical countermeasures type research and the uh, the mention of things like furin um, go, take time to watch streams I've done with uh, Charles Rixey goes into great length about why they were interested in furin and all the um, commonal garden biowarfare agents many of them um, utilize furin as a um, part of the infective mechanism the the disturbing thing about SARS is that not only is the furin cleavage site a um, you know it's a it's a standout bit of sequence but it also provides for being it's called a nuclear localization signal where that and it, it seems in terms of both the nucleic acid and the expression products um, able to shuttle across the uh, nuclear membrane and um, you know I, I, did they was that a fluke that they did that with the nuclear localization signal I don't think so I think I think it was very um, I don't can we say deliberate yes of course we can they 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 had a an intention to do to do that and they probably they probably knew that it would um do the um the cell localization nuclear localization and what that would mean for people from a weapons perspective well, they cite that Visna is oncogenic and that it is a member of the lentivirus family, which makes it by definition a PPV, a progressive pneumonia virus. Uh, and it also uh, is, is involved in neurologic disorders. It, it appears to have a number of neurologic cellular tropisms. This is a this is a paper. I don't I didn't intend to bring us anywhere deep into it, but just to show a little bit further down the path. This is 1995, and of course the news of HIV one being having an, an SIV hearth uh, has been out now for six years, and there are investigations and beginning to uh, go back sort of cur loop go back and and again reintroduce visna to hiv again this time so it's a it's a, a double um very similar to those original early 70s experiments where they fused visna with siv wow um see i wonder if they were um so you know uh one of the common um family of, of prion disorders is scrapey in sheep and i wonder mm -hmm. if that's what got them looking at visna so much what's called what's causing scrapey and again it, it's the the bioweapon dream that you could expose someone and have a i just sit back um three five years and uh you'll get the the result that you want and it's virtually impossible to trace back um 
I mean, I want to say uh, Prusner um, was nineteen eighty nine. His study. Prusner. Aaron, how are you doing? Uh, it's coming up on midnight here. How are you holding up? A little tired. I'm probably going to turn in pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. We yeah we we've we didn't we didn't intend to do a four hour marathon or anything. So. Um, yeah, it was just uh, advertised as a thousand dollars going begging. If uh, someone can uh, disprove the contention that, well, basically that they were doing these uh, cross circulatory interventions, right? That's the that's the challenge. Well, actually, the two things. The main thing was is is you can't prove a negative. Um, I, you know, I can't say that they never released the HIV test results for the one thousand four hundred and ninety five people in King Guan. And so saying, okay, well, I'll give $1,000 for somebody who can find it is my way of trying to prove a negative in the sense that if there's a motivation and people are looking and they can't find it either, I, I've done a pretty good job of proving it probably doesn't exist. So the two things that I was trying to prove, the two negatives I was trying to prove is one, that they have never released the test results from the pre-1978 samples. We have in June Guro's book that Smoothness collected 13,000 samples. We see that they were doing these experiments since 1970, that they were storing all of these samples, and they've never released them. All we know is that starting in 1978, there were a handful of positive cases in the gay community that it grew to 70%. But to really prove it definitively, we need to know the pre-1978 samples if there were none. And we also need to know the, the, the deceptive part is that the CDC just simply says the 70% is coincidence because in 1988, it found a high percentage of HIV positive people and those who did not participate. Like it never occurred to them that if you infected half of a sex club with an STD, that 10 or 15 years later, the other half is going to have the STD as well. Mm. Um, so they never, they've never shown us what were the uh, test results from immediately after how many of the um, vaccinated group versus the placebo group had HIV. And they've never shown us the test results pre-1978. And the really big one is that Tabor study, who was with the FDA, said that uh, in the seven sub-Saharan African countries, there was zero uh, HIV positive cases in 1981. Now, if you look at the, the criticism of that, is it only is, quote, the criticism is it only gives us a 95% confidence interval that there wasn't at least 1% infected, which is the point I was making with ChatGPT. To really nail it, what we need is the results from the 1983 samples, which is the one that well, I featured in the video, that were taken in this King Wayne. King Wayne was soon to become a failed state. It was the hardest hit region near Swaziland, where there was not a large population. So the, the 1,500 samples would be largely representative. And it was in 1983 after AIDS had already been uh, identified further north in Congo and literally just a couple of years before Swaziland would collapse under the cases. 
And so if none of those 1,500 cases were samples that Merck took in 1983 were positive, uh, that, that's the question I asked ChatGPT. What is the confidence interval that there was no HIV spreading in that community? And ChatGPT's response is, it is so astronomically low, it is beyond my floating point you know, calculation limits. Uh, so in other words, at that point, if we could get those test results, um, then uh, that that's definitive proof. And if I just say in well, the video, don't, don't, don't they just fall back on like the the institutes and the individuals involved are always just going to defer to Warabi in this instance. So it doesn't. Um, we can't. Well, that's that's my whole point. That everybody's going to say, "Oh, they have released those samples. They've studied the samples. You know, you're making this up. HIV was already distributing, was already circulating before this." So that's why I say, "Okay, you know, put up or shut up. I'll give you a thousand dollars to show me where they've ever released the samples." Because what Warby always does is throws up smoke screens, red herrings, and he he dodges the issue. That's the issue. We need those. The test results from those 1495 samples and i'm i was 99 sure when i did the video that they were being withheld and now i'm completely sure because i've been engaged with people who've been looking for them trying to claim the thousand dollars and everybody says gosh i thought they had released it but you're right they haven't we can't find them either mm. comments nick i want a thousand bucks yeah <laughs> yeah Finos. Just for my, for my charm and vocabulary. Yeah. Uh, no, Aaron, uh, this is this is very very incredible work. I'm I'm so heartened by um, how serious you are. And again, I I just commend you for how you stay grounded. You're not supposed to be swept away by these things that I've been steeping in for years. I've had a long time. And thankfully, through people like Kevin and some of his colleagues, I've taken more steps in um, really getting my arms around, like I said, that that zoonotic path, uh, because that mm -hmm. has to be rock solid and the deployment story and by the way if you haven't uh, gotten that digital book uh the war on hepatitis b which is essentially mm -hmm. it looks like the global distribution model um that's you know that's another really good piece of the evidence uh and what we just learned it recently with that documentary uh about uh dog homiscold um and you know that was case homiscold. yes yeah, i just yes. finished watching it it was it was slow. Uh, you know, I, I the first thirty minutes, I was tempted to just stop it because. Oh it, yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> it, it, I, I like our attention spans are so low in this YouTube age, but it was worth sticking it out. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a I have a friend who worked at Merck as a very 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 young uh, uh, pharmacologist. Uh, very brief. Worked at Chiron. Worked at some of these big um, you know big bios. Uh, biofarm and uh, tried to get his insight and get his adherence at least to the discussion and some of the evidence and tried to get him to watch the origins of AIDS. And he said, it put me to sleep right away. <laughs> I'm like, damn it. You there's, there were eyewitness interviews of, of people who were there, who worked in the labs and took care of the animals that became that product 
that was distributed yeah. you know well how could you have you know so there's there's been it's been definitely a mixed bag and uh, a lot of people we'll you'll have something you're like you've got to read this and it's huge like horowitz trying to get people to read horowitz that's really where you go to the zoo you, you can't escape it. It's so raw because he includes full page photocopies of the data. You don't have to go ferreting out and hope you can find the full text item. He puts it there on page, whatever. Um, but getting people to a sale that, I mean, it's it's a huge volume. Um, there's a lot of technical material in it. It's it's not like reading a science paper, but there's a whole lot of tech uh, and vocabulary that is challenging to folks. So that's one of those things where it's been laying out there in plain sight since 97. He did the work. It's amazing. And, you know, if people would just get it. So that's part of what I've been trying to do is take his very, very rich uh, content and find my own path into mastery of it or or grasping the concepts squarely and then reducing it down into um, approachable pieces. And that's where, you know, when Kevin rolls his eyes at me, when I start talking too long, I'm like, okay, that's too much, a step too far. But Aaron, um, well done. And, and please keep going. Yeah, I have to say props, Aaron. Um, and yeah, I'm, I think it's great um technique you've come up with this uh this uh, monetary challenge bravo sir thank you all right uh okay i'm gonna drop off okay, okay. yeah Take it's, care. it's midnight <laughs> yeah thanks yeah. for being here yeah ciao good night good night all right so um i don't know if it, any final thoughts nick and then i'll, I'll wrap it up um, I didn't get much sleep between the earlier stream and this one. I've been, I'm sorry. I've been offending the religious sensibilities of people. <laughs> Left, right, and uh -oh. <laughs> oh, yes, you have. <laughs> um, I saw some of that. Yeah. Uh, and and I was I was shocked, too. Uh, that that hit me a few years back. Um, I. I hadn't put my face and we're talking about the materials from the previous stream, which we're not going to replay folks. But um, I, I saw uh, really the, uh, I was, I was actually starting into a hunt for a partner to do a documentary about the HIV story. And I said, I need to look at the most horrible and difficult material that there is because I needed to study adult learning, um, you know, as I was just saying, too much of a horrible thing, too many black pills, you know, what, how deep can you pack the evidence and, uh, and very, very difficult eyewitness testimonies. So I listened to the recovery documentaries, groups that were covering people that were finally as adults, you know, getting over the trauma enough to confront the church, their local diocese, whoever that person had been. Uh, and I saw one filmed in Ireland. I saw one in, filmed in Canada, a couple from the U.S. And it's gut-wrenching material. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I can't look at that very often, but it really did move my skepticism into a, another layer of, of grief and shock about the ugliness of some people. And um, I certainly, it, it helps me uh, to take people seriously, uh, particularly when they're an eyewitness about something like that and not make equivocations or brush it aside to say it takes a lot 
to confess something like whatever it is. And um, you, you know, it, it, it just, it made me, I think I'll, it took something from me, but it made me more human. Yeah. Dark anyway. And like I say, um, I'm, please someone just send me um, data that, uh, that you know, gives a different interpretation. Um, I asked ChatGPT about was uh, Cyril, whatever his name was, was he? Well, the first question was, <laughs> were they just using sodomy as a sort of initiation? And uh, um, I got a stern telling off. And then I rephrased it and said, were they, was Cyril of Jerusalem um, putting a lot of weight on this whole body anointing in oils and um yeah he was so but it did it did come with the caveat that it was um male and female um on chat gpt i'm not sure that makes it any better in my mind um oh yeah anything to cover up your your uh transgressions oh well it was you know it's both sexes so you know mm. that's that's something that's it makes some it, saving makes grace. it better equal equal opportunity yeah 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 and you, you know you and i grew up in the era of i don't it, i don't hear you in any way uh sort of sticking to the superhero stuff and i've i've heard you um discuss in some points um your your feelings about disney and you know the the x-men and all of those you know the franchise stuff that gets the kids swept up mm. um what i'm what i'm relenting or, or what i'm lamenting about that is that i cared and needed those stories about the underdog finally getting up and kicking ass and I didn't ever think, you know, someday I'm going to get superpowers. I'm going to become Green Lantern and uh, and I'm going to go and and we're going to right all of these wrongs. That, that wasn't the path. It was just um, it was it was a little piece of hope. It was, uh, you know, a, an escape from that horrifying world that was real right outside the, the theater doors. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, you know, I, and, and you can find those kinds of inspirations in anything, in writers, in, in real people, in your, your parents, there's, there's other places to look for that inspiration. So, you know, despite that, that's been, you know, it's just, it's, those are, those are sentimental things from childhood. Uh, I still, now I'm, I'm finding real world heroes like doctors and nurses and investigators like yourself who, uh, face, uh, the ridicule and being marginalized and uh, attacked uh, and, and have faced a lot of losses. Some people, you know, like Charles, what he's been through. Mm. And there's a lot that for me, even every time we go back to that lake of the black pills and I'm like, Oh God, there really are that many. And it's that bad. Mm. Um, I still turn around and say, why do I feel that disgust? Cause I'm a human being and I haven't lost my humanity and I'm not going to give it up. And I'm not just going to going to throw in the towel. You know, it doesn't mean we're going to fix all these wrongs that are happening. Um, but if history can learn from this and we can thwart these freaks uh, in their diabolical stuff, uh, you know, like you said, the, the die may be cast for many. Um, but still, as long as there are a few of us left alive, particularly with the truth, then, you know, hope will survive. I hope so, dude. I really do. <laughs> 
I've I'm in shock from the well the earlier stream and I I'm trying to pass in my mind how they thought about doing cross circulation with chimpanzee blood in Yeah, children. don't no, you need a nap. You need a nap. Just yeah. let this stuff decompile and uh and go away. Because you won't be able to forget it. That's the deal. Mm. It's it's literally, you know, like a neurologic uh trauma. Uh, and and you fired some new synapses that did not want to be born. Mm. Um, I can't believe so. It's it's in the seventies, dude. It's not it's not like they didn't know about blood typing, right? And zoonotic risk, and and why not just use yeah. human blood? Why, why the since the early sixties they knew this. They knew this. So why would you continue to try to confound yourself by? clinging to the smaller model and that smaller model that subset is people behave according to bioethics they have upright and transparent intentions for everything they do in science and in their work and we can count on them to tell us what they're doing in an accurate and accountable way get rid of that that's how most people behave or try to behave and then there's the superset people who have excused themselves from the kid table and they're sitting with the big boys who just treat all of our moralities and ministrations and doctrines as um, puppets, as fun instruments to, to uh, sheepdog us back and forth um, as this process has gone forward. I hate that this is the thing that I have to keep repeating to people. I'd rather be talking about, you know, health and therapies and gardening and, you know, just boring stuff. Um, but this is what we've got to, we've either got to disprove it. I'll take a page out of Aaron's book. We've got to disprove that this is happening. It's more important than anything for people to get the big picture and they can, we can't solve it. We we don't have super friends to just go and stop all the bad people. Give me but a flamethrower and a scope yeah, rifle. Well, I'll go yeah, well, yeah, I know, I know. Some C four, I get it. <laughs> but um, too much Stargate for you, sir. Mm -hmm. um, but we 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 do have the responsibility each of us in our nations where we still have a, a grip on some kind of of sovereign not sovereign but some collective control over the accountability and the conduct of these institutions before they say oh you've all gone covid crazy we need to activate the continuity of government plan everything is suspended you know that's i think what many of these the the shoot the mass shootings the psychodramas of getting parents into a state of despair and, you know, the an influence on kids about all of the stuff we've, that we've discussed. We'll, you know, try to try to keep it light and, and fluffy here. But, you know, I think that a lot of that has just been the drama and the psychological operations and the fact that the, you can trace it back. If you say, I don't think the WEF has anything to do with that, go look up their website and look at the organizations that they have that brag about having essentially um, co-opted many movements, uh, the gay and lesbian community just being one. It's highly effective at mm -hmm. exacerbating people and stressing people out. So it's been a really, really, you know, and at the same time, you're a bully if you don't stick up for the rainbow. That's been, you know, that's really what they took over. They said, ah, we can, we can, you know, run this till the cows come home. Mm -hmm. And it's caused divides. 
and it hasn't advanced the community. It's set the community back. It hasn't advanced relationships between heterosexual and homosexual communities. It's irritated and damaged it. And most importantly, it's put kids in the crosshair of this crazy stuff mm-hmm. as they try to penetrate curriculum and younger and younger minds. And I'm here to tell you, folks, um, that's nothing that I ever marched for way back in the day when I did march in a parade. I marched in the parade to try and fight AIDS and to try and stand with a little bit of solidarity with a community that was in a state of absolute crisis. Um, and then I couldn't really keep doing it. I didn't really connect with so much of what started happening. But I'm here again to say, parents, um, somebody hears you. There are people with their heads screwed on right who understand uh, what you've been talking about and what you've been stressing about. And we want to and need to re-examine our boundaries and our relationship about this stuff. And most importantly, find out where is the money coming from, whether it's an NGO or a church or whoever, to push this stuff into curriculum at the state level. That's where it happens in committees, in private review groups, things like that, where the general public can't get in and penetrate it. So that's where I say, if that's if that's the thing that really fires you up about all of this, um, make that your focus in this and fight uh, back there. I, I'll just say this. Um, <laughs> Nick just said, we're all puffers now. <laughs> we're all on the uh, receiving end of the predations of this, these apex predators. What a world. <laughs> Welcome aboard. <laughs> um, I'm, uh, I'll go the rainbows. I will just say that there's a high correlation between virtue signaled rainbows and Ukrainian flags. Um, that, that is for sure a thing. Um, uh, yes. And I would remind you in a very simple, hopefully a grounding example, go look at your children's belongings and stickers. It's the same psychology. There's very little depth. Uh, the same thing occurred in at 9-11 when we were going to go kick ass in the Gulf. Boy, everybody that was a tree hugger was listening to, um, you know, to the to Mud Honey and and Alanis Morissette, you know, kind of the the, the re I call them the re hippies, the rerun of the hippies that happened in the like 90s. Alanis Morissette. What's the matter with you? No, it's OK. It's OK. No, but I'm saying that we had this sort of grunge pseudo hippie thing happening mm-hmm. and they all snapped into conservatives as soon as 9-11 happened. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mm-hmm. this is it's it's uh, the, the science of mass influence. Um, and and nudging and the fact that we can call out specific operations and and groups within the national uh, defense apparatus that are involved in this stuff and doing this to their own populations. Thank you very much. Uh, with the tax, do- tax dollars of that populace, that's a that's another important place to push to keep shining the light. So. I blame Zog. That's it. All goes back to Zog. <laughs> that's easy. Mm. Well, start there and then work, I, I know. Uh, I'm not going to argue about partial culpability. Mm. Well, okay. All right. Well, uh, uh, it sounds like our plane's coming in for a landing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to go lay down for a bit. So um, there was a non uh, for 10 bucks. Thank you. Much, much appreciated. Um, I will let you go. Nick, you have a pleasant rest of the evening. 
and um, I'm trying to Thank set you. up a stream with Charles this weekend, and then Monday morning my time, I'm going to be speaking with uh, Walter Chestnut and the latest he has. So um, stay tuned, folks. Oh, um, it's been a while. Yes, yes, it has. I always look forward to speaking to Walter. All right, Nick. Awesome. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks yeah. for joining us, everybody. Appreciate it. Yeah. Bye-bye. Boom. All right. Um, yeah. I've got to go away and compute that they would... Um, they would do cross-circulation between chimpanzees and children in the 70s. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Um... <laughs> Well, it's, um, I'll just say this. Look, uh, my um, religious uh, brethren, if you want to um, give me an alternative take on uh, uh, Cyril of Jerusalem and his oiling of uh, the... Um, the initiates, the... Uh, the baptized, etc. Um, I'm I'm open to ears. I wanna. I'm I'm desperate to hear <laughs> a more a more vanilla sounding uh, version. Um, and um, if there's any scientists around or clinicians that could um, account for this, I don't know how this got signed off, man. <sighs> Unbelievable. Anyway, <laughs> keep your children close, I will say. All right, I'm out of here. Take care. God bless. And uh, I'll see you in the next one. Hopefully I can drag Commander Rixie out. He's been very busy the last week or so. So, All right, laters. Bro, you don't know how angry I am. You do, I'm like, I was just leaving for fucking work. You do not understand how fucking pissed off. After reading that little line, I will be arrested for not taking a fucking vaccine. Fuck these gaffers! I will fucking kill each fucking gaffer! I swear! <laughs> this is not a fucking joke anymore. This is fucking dead serious. I am fucking dead serious. These people don't know who the fuck they're actually saying. Fuck these gaffers! No fucking vaccine or MRA or ever throws you my fucking blood blood! Never! No! I will fucking die! Fucking fighting for my fucking... Please and my fucking forefathers and my fucking lineage! Fuck these motherfuckers! All that five? This guy. Sent 10.45,000. Let up! 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 Let